this may not be what the creators intended, but like it can't be an accident that this is in there. Look, I remember it fondly because it had dinosaurs, <laughs> but I remember it unfondly for every other reason. The Black Donnelly's is pure gold, and you guys are wrong. Joey Ice Cream uh, for president. I'm just saying that selfie belongs in the Criterion Collection. Is it working? Uh, <laughs> no. Never, never has anything worked for me in my life, Ronnie. <laughs> Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I cannot be killed while my master lives, and I'm Evan. I've got a silly little songstress, Mommy, and I'm Ronnie. <laughs> if you can tell by those very odd introductions, <laughs> Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows which have only lasted a single season. We are currently covering... The yet uncancelled, but still on indefinite hiatus, Carnival Row by Amazon Prime. But before we get into that, I have a bit for us. What's the bit? What's, What's the, bit? the What's bit? bit? What's the 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 bit? So, in college, Hardee's, back in like 2012, Hardee's announced a new cheddar bacon biscuit breakfast sandwich. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I am desperate to see where this is going. I'm on the edge of my seat. My roommates and I, Sweet D, and, uh, and good old Luke, decided we were going to stay up until... Hardee's opened so that we could be first in line to get it. Who cares that much about Hardee's? Look, there's not a lot going on at Liberty University. You gotta make your fun where you can get it. Okay. So, we stayed up all night playing video games. I think our other friend Colby also came. We stayed up all night playing video games. Uh, We then snuck out at like 3 a.m., we got caught. We got told you got to go back to your dorm room. And you got to wait till 4 a.m. when curfew ends. Wait, 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 wait. You weren't allowed to leave your dorm room at specific oh, times in college? Evan, curfew, Evan, baby? We, have, we, 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 we should sit curfew. and talk about the wild things that happen at evangelical I colleges regarding. Yeah. Look, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I know they have, like, morality rules and stuff. But, like, being a night owl is not a, a moral stance. Like, uh, only the devil comes out at night. He's going to crawl up your butthole and make you do gay stuff. I need you to understand that this is not a thing that happens at regular college. Well, yes, I know that. Okay. I'm fully aware that I did not have a regular college experience. Again, like, I under, like, I don't agree, but I get the, like, moral restrictions. Parties, but... double cheddar... <laughs> Biscuit breakfast sandwich. So let's talk about the Hardee's commercial. Was this one so, where uh, uh, look, who would who would have been the, the? I need everyone to be quiet. I need everyone to Jessica be quiet. Simpson, Jessica Simpson dancing naked on the hood of a car over like a breakfast sandwich. This is that's Hardee's whole bag, isn't it? So or is that we, is that more of a Carl's Junior? 
we now have to we now have to stay up an extra hour we have to wait till 4 a.m when curfew's done (laughs) we finally make it to 4 a.m we get in the car we drive to hardy's we get out of the car hardy's is closed till five so now we are trapped for another hour we're so goddamn tired Hardy's finally opens the door. We get the breakfast sandwiches and they're not very good. (laughs) My question for you guys in honor of May the 4th, as of recording this, who would you want to go to Hardy's at 4 a.m. with from Star Wars? From Star Wars? Who's your Hardy's run? (laughs) Who's your Hardy's run? Um... You have to, you have to name one to three characters. Uh, if I pick Cassie and Andor, can I also have sex with him after I eat the breakfast sandwich? If you're both not shitting yourselves because you just ate Hardee's, I was going to say, I don't sure. think you're going to want to after the breakfast. Maybe you work up an appetite for the breakfast sandwich. Sure, yeah. That's how we Cassie will and occupy. Sex? This is how myself there and Mr. Cassie and Andor will occupy ourselves in the time we are killing before the breakfast sandwich. You should you should invite Tiffic too because that'll just be that awkward. Is. That's the guy that Cassian murders at the start of Rogue One. You don't oh, know I Tiffic? I don't care about that guy. Fan favorite Tiffic? Look, sometimes uh, when you're in a, uh, a a militant group, you must kill a man. It just be like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to marry the dude. But uh, if he's around, I'm going to try to have sex with him. Is anyone else coming on your Hardy's run? Or is it just a sex run for uh, romp with you and Cassie? Look, this is, if this, this sounds is, like a sex run that also includes Hardy's. Look, you, you, these are the parameters you gave me. I'm making the best of them. <laughs> okay. I don't want that breakfast sandwich. I don't even like bacon. I've been obligated to get this breakfast sandwich. And I've been given an option of who to bring with me. This is my This is my shot and I'm taking it. God damn. Okay, Ronnie, <laughs> who, who, who from the, the Star Wars universe are you going to Hardee's sure. at 4 a.m. with? I think I like um, uh, Boba Fett's uh, cyber teen crew. Um, I feel like they provide transportation and also it would be like a, a, a fun kind of like uh, hijinks and and uh, and shenanigans run on the way there. Oh, the, the Vespa gang, the scooter gang, yeah, the yeah, scooter gang. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good um, pick. They all seem pretty queer. Yeah, yeah, um, they got a good energy. They seem if, like they would really enjoy the breakfast sandwich, which I'm yeah. sure would enhance the experience somewhat. Which is the wild thing if we can go back to your original story, Andy. Where like you are always someone that I have like been uh, so proud to call a friend because you just like you are so honest and and you just know yourself so well and you know your surroundings and you call it like it is there is no universe in which i would have done all of that preamble for that breakfast sandwich and would not have convinced myself that it was the best breakfast sandwich that i've ever had like that that (laughs) had to have been worth it because i have the sunk cost already i would have yeah i I sat in uh m night Shyamalan's as we talked about lady in the water um and just refused to leave and like considered that like a movie i really enjoyed for a long time because i paid for that ticket it was like the first ticket i bought with my own money um i i loved it i couldn't i couldn't have sat there and looked at myself and And said this is how we wound up with nfts exactly yes yes for sure 
but I mm-hmm. I wouldn't get into that shit, um, even <laughs> if it was an NFT of a breakfast sandwich, um, which I'm sure there's plenty of those. But yeah, I would I would pick nope. the uh, the 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 scooter gang uh, from from uh, Boba Fett, and if I had to bring if I had to like if they if they are considered like a character, then I would bring along. Um, I want to call her uh, Heloni Mata. What's her name? Um, I, I didn't. I never finished Book of Boba Fett. I decided I didn't care about it. She's that's that's interesting. I think Boba Fett might be my favorite Star Wars thing, but maybe that's a a, a different thing. Um, You're allowed to feel that way. It yeah. just wasn't for me. Um. The 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 Heli Moto Heli Moto. Thank you. Yeah. Um. There's a there's too. there's a there's a football player named Heloti Nada, and I always get Heloti Nada and Heli Moto confused. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I, she would definitely be like in tow. She would be like the 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 entertainment for our shenanigans. And uh, this is the curly haired mechanic lady. Yes. This yeah. is Amy Sedaris. She. She has an extremely big bus driver energy. Yeah. Yeah. She's a lady who drives a bus for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that maybe she would have that like same mom energy where she would buy us all the breakfast sandwiches. She definitely would not buy us. She would probably have no. to buy a breakfast sandwich off of one of us. Um, but but yeah, no, it would be a good crew. It's just us going out to the uh, to the Tatooine uh the Hardys. Tatooine Hardys. Yes. The Maz Isley Hardys. <laughs> <laughs> They've got one. They've definitely got one. Andy, what about you? What's your uh what's what's your Hardy's crew? Okay, I have an eclectic bunch sure that's coming with me. Of course me. you do. Uh we're starting off strong with with Captain Hondo Onaka. Sure. Uh I love him very much, and uh he definitely knows the ins the ins and outs of the local hardies. Sure. He's he he's ordering off the secret menu, Hondo is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh next up, because we need some tunes, Max Rebo. He's coming along. Okay. And I'm a I'm a two legged Max Rebo truther. None of this two legs, two arms bullshit. He makes jizz with his feet. Yes. He plays sweet, <laughs> sweet jizz with his feet. Yep. Uh, after Max Rebo, Max, Max Rebussy plays jizz with his feet. Makes yes. jizz with his feet. Max Rebussy does. Uh, <laughs> next up, after Max Rebussy is gonna be uh, Cobb Cobb Vanth Bussy. <laughs> I don't think you add the B. <laughs> you really reached for that one. Cobb Vanth Bussy. Anyway, Bussy. Cobb Bussy. Cobb Bussy. Uh, Cobb Vanth is coming along. Um, and then just three Jawas. Sure. And, uh, I, I just think the chaos of that group of, like, Max, Hondo, three Jawas, and then me and Cobb Vanth. We're just gonna have a damn good time. We might burn that Hardy's down afterwards. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. There is a picture of me from this legendary Hardy's run, and it is... By far the worst picture that's ever been taken of me. If I can find it, I'll send it to you guys. It's pretty funny. Please do. I've, uh... I just look miserable. I'm like wearing a Jane Firefly hat and like 
uh, non-matching flannel pants with a flannel shirt and like it's it's buttoned up wrong and like it's not tucked in all the way it sounds it's, like it's it could rough. have been a real like transitional moment for you of like exactly what you said like there's nothing to do down in lynchburg virginia and so we're gonna put all of our the the, the excitement is not necessarily the breakfast sandwich it's the anticipation of getting the breakfast sandwich that sucked the breakfast sandwich sucked and so i just imagine young college andy sitting on the curb just being like there's got to be more than this there's got to be more God than is, this i'm like halfway through god this. is dead in this hardy's tonight you stole my joke <laughs> oh sorry yeah savage babe i'm sorry i didn't <laughs> do you, know do you want to make the say. joke I'll, I'll let it around yeah okay, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah the joke was gonna be i'm halfway through the sandwich and i look up and i shake my head and i go i think god's dead <laughs> You can leave both in, Ronnie. Okay, yeah. yeah. Vote for your favorite delivery. <laughs> Who told the joke better? Uh, uh, anyway, happy happy Revenge of the Six when this comes out. Yeah, yeah, it'll definitely be a couple days. But um, happy Star Wars Day, everybody. Happy Where They May May. Happy Where yeah. They May May. Happy uh, Andy and I are getting married this month, May. Uh, happy happy uh, wedding, May. Happy wedding month. Almost no, no, there. No we groans. Got... It's exciting. Oh, I know. I'm excited, but we just have a few more spreadsheets still to make. Mm-hmm. To make? Um, to update, rather. Sure. Yeah. I was, yeah. Um, no, we have one spreadsheet to make for the photographer. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've never eaten at a Hardee's or a Carl's Jr., they're the same thing, right? They're the same I don't things. know. I think yeah, they're Hardy's, regionally different, sure. but they're the same like parent company and restaurant. Yeah, I've never eaten that either. So, congrats. Yeah, yeah they're not good. I consider this uh, point in my favor. You ever eaten at a Waffle House? No. Mm. Oh yeah. Twice yeah. the Waffle House I was at in Lynchburg, Virginia, got raided by police while I was eating there. <laughs> Or uh, what? The one time there was like a stabbing in the parking lot, I think. Well, that's not really a raid. That's well, no, but a bunch of like cop cars showed up, and then sure. it was just yeah. crawling in cops. And then the the other time we were sitting in like a corner booth, and uh, like some cops came in in like their ninja suits with the shields and stuff, and we were just, they were like, "You guys got to go." We we're like, "Okay, <laughs> we left." <laughs> Waffle House. That's, that's the commercial. Cops <laughs> <laughs> come in and riot gear. You gotta go. And then Waffle House logo. Uh, I didn't have to pay for uh, the $4 that these uh, three sides and three entrees cost that I ordered. Sure. Well, it's it's very good of the of the police there to uh, not only shoo you out of the booth, but make sure no one in this uh, in this Waffle House is getting their meager restitution. Mm-hmm. No one's getting yeah. paid. Very cop move. Yeah. Uh, what show do we watch? We sh- yeah, we should talk about the show. Uh, we're watching Carnival Row. Sure, all governor. <laughs> It's just some Calliope music. I couldn't really pick a, pick a tune there. I was just going with the, the genre, the oeuvre. Sure. I, I was picking up your vibe. Thanks. Great. Also, 
It fits right in with Andy's Australian man <laughs> trying to mimic uh, uh, the Victorian doll that says, Oi, mister, you me dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is it just like the the character of Carnival Row you're doing? Or is this like an Orlando Bloom uh, accent impression that you're working through? Blimey, this is the... The spirit of blimey. This is the spirit of Carnival <laughs> Row. Blimey. I'm uh, I'm little Gavroche. I'm here to tell you about the Carnival Row. Hello, hello. My name's Gavroche. You can fuck a fairy inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Oh boy. He's a, he's a barker now for the brothel. You see. <laughs> yeah, I was. I got it. I was picking up what you were laying down. A a Carnival Row barker, if you. Yeah. Will. Almost like, um, all right, let's, we, we watched episodes five and six of Carnival Row. Episode five is entitled Grieve No More. Um, so, uh, Philo, uh, has been, all right, let me put together, oh boy, this, there's so, there's so, there's so much. Take take a breather and and even just like skim the surface because there's a lot of stuff happening here that like. Right. We'll get to Let's it, actually let's start with um uh Imogen and Ezra. Um they've made a deal with Mr uh it's pronounced Agreus. I've been saying Agreus, but Mr. Agreus. Um uh I mentioned this before. He gives them money because they're functionally destitute, uh and in exchange they introduce him to polite society because polite society is super racist against him. Um so they invite him to tea. It's extremely humiliating for them. Um, but Mr. Agreus uh, continues insisting that they uphold their end of the bargain. He gives them some money. Imogen's like, all right, this really sucks. It really sucks. But um, I, I, think I, can, I think I can do it. I think this is fine. Um, meanwhile, uh, Philo, uh, he had his... Uh, uh, like little dark asher creature experiment made by this uh witch lady, and she's like, "Oh yeah, well here, look, see, it's a real thing, I promise." And also, um, it can't be killed because your uh semen was used to make it. Uh, and uh, you're still alive, so we can't kill it. And he's like, "That's gross. I wish I'd known that." So this is an important clue about the dark asher that is um uh the villain that we're that we're pursuing here. Um, uh, another person is killed. It's the guy who, uh, uh, clipped little baby Philo's wings when he was a little baby. And Philo starts to put it together that all of the people who have been killed by this, uh, Dark Asher creature have some kind of connection to him. Um, uh, through, like, investigative police work he realizes that the connection that the the singer the fey singer had to him uh that was the first murder he investigated at the beginning of the show uh she was in fact his mom and he he doesn't like you know they didn't have dna or whatever but he intuits this uh through uh like some evidence for some from some other people and also from hearing a a, a sad song that she released around the time he would have been a little kid 
that sounds an awful lot like an artist processing having to give up a baby and he's like oh shit she was my mom oh shit oh shit um I think that's all the important stuff. Oh, of, of course, Jonah. Jonah in the... So, um, uh, I, there was a politician whose son was kidnapped. You'll recall him. Uh, the son has been rescued now, but he's like, something is amiss here. Hmm, hmm, hmm. It doesn't, doesn't seem like that rival politician kidnapped me. I have a bad vibe about this. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's who kidnapped me. Um... And then in episode six, which is called Unaccompanied Fay, I think it's in episode six that he meets up uh, uh, the the son of this politician. His name is um, Jonah. He meets up with the daughter of the rival politician and they commiserate a little bit. And she's like, I'm pretty sure my dad didn't kidnap you. And he's like, I'm pretty sure your dad didn't kidnap me either. Um, let's, uh, we have a connection here. Let's work together to plot to figure out what's going on here and also to get involved in some political machinations. They were vague in their conversation. But, so the daughter of the uh, rival politician and the son of the uh, the politician we've been following are in cahoots now. Um, uh, Agrius and... Imogen, in episode six, go to an auction house where a collection called the Treasures of Tirnanach are being uh, auctioned off. These are, you know, plundered goods from Tirnanach, which has been uh, colonized by uh, this country and another country. Um, uh, vignette also uh, stumbles upon this exhibition and she finds uh, the basically a reconstruction of the library that she was guarding. Like they apparently like found the building and took it apart and brought it over on a ship and put it back together here because they were like, ooh, look at this. And she finds the book that she showed Philo that they bonded over and she just, like, loses her mind with grief about it because, like, protecting this library was her whole life. And now it's been captured by colonizers. And uh, she, like, attacks some people coming to see the exhibit. And she gets arrested. Um, Imogen and Agraeus are at the auction. And they, like, actually start to kind of develop a friendship. It's been a very, very slow process to this point because they've had animosity towards each other um, because Imogen is racist and Agrius um, doesn't like being condescended to and treated like he's, you know, lesser. So they've had some friction, but they've been, like, through circumstance getting closer to this point. And this, like, sort of little outing they have at this auction um, really, like, brings them together in a in a strange sort of a way like Imogen's sort of charmed by him um uh also Philo uh tells his girlfriend slash landlady Portia uh about his mixed heritage because he's trying to embrace his human life and uh you know like 
live fully in the human world and he's like well i'm gonna i'm trying to make it work with portia so i should probably be honest with her and um she is immediately incensed uh she's uh super racist about it and not cool and he's like oh well i guess i have to find somewhere else to live now but he's fairly convinced that she's not gonna tell anybody that doesn't pan out uh the his cop buddies are like hey um uh why did you leave your boarding house you were staying at all of a sudden and he's like i'm just looking for a place where i don't have to commute so much and they're like we don't believe you so they go to the boarding house they uh strong arm portia into ratting him out and he also said when he um like came out to her essentially he also uh mentioned that like all of the murders have been connected to him in some way and he isn't quite sure why and uh so she divulges this to his police buddies also and they're like oh shit he's um he's been trying to pass himself off as human and he was worried that uh these people from his past would rat him out so it's philo who's been killing these people all along better go arrest him so they arrest him and that's it that's all the important stuff i think yeah, that covers it. I mean, there's so much happening. Uh, you got to pay attention to this show. It's, there's a lot really going on. You really do. There's, I'm sorry, Ronnie. I know you have an infant and a little tiny child <laughs> at your house. <laughs> I've been able to. I've been. I mean, I'm not watching this show with my with my toddler for certain. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been able to. I've been able to navigate it, but. That's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about whether or not this show uh, is working. Andy, we watched two of these episodes, um, and you know I got to ask it. Uh, did they work for you? They did, yeah. Cool, good. That's that it. That's strangely, strangly equivocal for you. That's Andy. it. Yeah, yeah, it worked. Yeah. Uh, hey, Evan. Yeah, Ronnie. These two episodes of, uh, the fuck, uh, Carnival Row, uh, did they work for you? Hell yeah. I actually think I'm enjoying this show more the second time than I did the first time, and I liked it the first time, so, um, yeah, lot lot to like. Mm-hmm. Not 100% perfect, but a lot to like. Sure. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, yeah. Oh, I forgot. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Is this podcast about the show from Amazon Prime in Cut. Uh, our butts. <laughs> it's not, why am I never ready? Why am I? I think what it is. I think I've cracked it. I think what it is is. I feel like Andy paints Evan into a corner, and I'm ready for Evan to just bail out and just be like, "I'm done with this. I can't. Like, you're you 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 you've disarmed me." 
and then Andy comes in with butts every time, and I'm never I'm never expecting it because I'm always my guard's always just like just a bit down. You're too focused on the maneuver, right? Yeah, You're I'm, watching us zig and watching us zag, that's, that's and all I'm, of a sudden, yeah, it's the game, you know. It's it's like, oh boy. You don't. You don't need to like. It's it's the whole spoilers thing. You know. It's it's a. Your the butts is is the knives out. Is the is the you know the dead old man of of the movie. I know that that happened. How did we get to the butts? Is is the real? Is yeah. The real real mystery. Um. Just like knives just out. Just like knives How do we out. Get to the butts. You get a knives out with every ending bending. Um. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll re, uh, re, uh, assess the question. Uh, yes, this is, this is working. This is, this is working for me. Uh, I was feeling yeah. a little bit in episode five. I think five is a real turning point. There's a lot of things happening in five and a lot of like, and they're setting up new pins in five where it's like show. Mm. I, I think that you're a bit much like i don't know if you know what you're doing here uh but then like by the end of five into six they start like beginning to show where things are going to start paying off uh and i uh found myself hooked even just when i thought that it uh, wasn't working they they made a good show uh they pulled you back in pulled me back in um no yeah let's let's talk about what is working about Carnival Row. Um, oh boy, there's a lot. There's I I feel like the relationship between Imogen and Agraeus is uh, very interesting and very organic feeling. Like it's weird and it's complicated and it's tense, but when she starts kind of like laughing at his jokes. I buy it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like they earned that. I feel like they really put in the work of putting these characters together and forcing them to be in conflict with each other until they both sort of started to relax and are, like, genuinely getting used to each other and genuinely getting to like each other. So, um, well done, show. Good good relationship development there. Yeah, I like the two of them very much. As you've said the whole time, Evan, like, Imogen remains... Incredibly unlikable, but not annoying. Like not annoying to mm. watch, uh, and that that has paid off tremendously here because now we are supposed to begin to like her, and they they haven't mm-hmm. they haven't made us like dislike her only to say like no 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 she maybe maybe she's maybe she's nuanced she's just been fairly nuanced the whole time, and the actress is like just doing a good job selling that. Yep. Hard agree. Um, love how sad Orlando Bloom is. He's very I just sad. Love He's it when that man is sad. Sad. <laughs> He's so sad. He's so sad. Even when he should be angry, it. he's just tremendously sad. Yeah, it's the right vibe, though. Yeah. The man, the man is in this this like emotional conflict. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that I also buy. He's doing, he's doing a good job. He's very sad. He's very like, they've done a very solid job of establishing that he's like a level put together guy really like holds, holds everything, you know, close to his chest and he just muddles through it. 
He's, he's so fucking sad he's this whole so time. Sad. So there, there are four scenes I want to specifically talk about with Orlando Bloom, where the Fey metaphor that this show is using, uh, you know, in in the in the X Men way, the metaphor is best when it's not metaphor. I think these four scenes are still subtext and metaphor, but they're really, really obvious. Uh, The first is he speaks with the gay professor. He's um, he's a doctor and he is like sort of serving as the coroner for like these these Fae murders. Yeah, he's like a surgeon of some kind. And he was... uh, hooking up with the doctor who clipped Orlando Bloom's wings. No, that's same same guy, the surgeon slash coroner. Wait. It, it doesn't matter. The, the gay character. Yeah. One of the one of the doctors is gay and dead and the other doctor is gay and alive. And they were in love. I think one of them is not a doctor. One of them is the headmaster. Yeah, I think one of them is a professor, and you interrupted me. Yes. Oh, headmaster. See, professor. Yeah, I was right. Everyone, everyone was always coming at me and saying, Andy, you're wrong about this. (laughs) And I go, no, I'm Andy. I think I'm right. And they doubt me, and then I'm proven right. I don't. The headmaster of the school is not like an academic, though. It's it's like uh, let's split oh, all I the hair. No, you knew how how orphanages in Carnival well, Row were. Why? That's why I didn't like pick up. I thought you were trying to describe the surgeon. Oh my goodness! I'm sorry. Anyway, gay character. They're secretly gay for for plot reasons. That he he like comes out to Orlando Bloom. And you can tell Orlando Bloom is like deeply moved and affected by this. And uh, he assures the guy like, hey, like, I appreciate you being honest with me. And like, I'm really sorry you've like had to live your life in the closet. Your secret's safe with me. I'm not going to tell anyone and I'll do what I can to like cover up your relationship with him in this investigation. And the guy is like, actually, like, I don't know if I have the courage to do it, but we'll see. I think it might be time for me to like live openly. And you can tell that like, this is weighing on Orlando Bloom. So there's that scene. Then there's the scene where Orlando Bloom comes out to his partner, girlfriend. Yeah. Girlfriend slash girlfriend partner. Um, and she does not accept him. She completely rejects him. Um, and it's heartbreaking and it's really sad. Then there's the scene where we actually see Orlando Bloom as a baby get his wings cut off with it, which is really horrific and uh, really uh, is is very heavy in the I think metaphor to intersex children. Um, and then the last scene is I think the cops confronting Orlando Bloom, where like these are his coworkers, and as soon as they suspect that he is part Fay, they immediately accuse him of also being a murderer. And they beat the shit out of him. And uh, seeing the cops beat the shit out of someone who is, like, pretty heavily queer-coded is intense. Mm-hmm. So I think those four scenes in particular really are, like, playing up the different aspects of this metaphor. I don't think it tracks onto either one of them directly, uh, like, one-to-one. 
but uh, I think there's there's a lot there for Orlando Bloom's character being read as intersex or trans or or queer, and uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Also, they included actual like queer characters. We've had some yeah. uh, like uh, some references to um, uh, vignette being bisexual throughout. Like that was explicit. You know, they made it they made it very clear in previous episodes that she and Tourmaline had a relationship. But first of all, we have this uh, like gay character who's you know I mean. He's a sad gay. Uh, people in the Berg are very homophobic. It seems like people in Tirnanak are not so much. Like, it seems like Vignette and Tourmaline had an okay time of it being in a relationship. Um, but yet, you know, very clear from the, what this guy says that uh, this is super not okay in the Berg. So, um, yeah, sad gay shit, but, uh, you know, very clear, unambiguous gay characters. Um, and then so I do want to say they both get horrifically murdered. They so do. That's, I know. Yeah. That's but, um, and then also, uh, because she has like definitively broken up with Philo, uh, vignette is kind of like falling back into a relationship with vignette. They, they kiss. Um, yeah, no, tourmaline, tourmaline vignette is falling back into a relationship with tourmaline. I think I said vignette twice. They got, Long names that are nouns. Um, so, yeah, those two are kind of, like, getting closer, and they have a scene where they kiss. Um, so, yeah, I, I appreciate them actually including queer people and not mm -hmm. just making reference to it. I liked, too, that the, the Fey brothel was a safe spot for these two human gays to, like come and spend time together and it mm -hmm. wasn't it wasn't like a sex thing it was a this is a space where we know we won't be judged and we'd rather there be rumors that we're um you know visiting this brothel for fairies than for fairies but yeah what else did you like um oh boy i uh i thought so i i sort of made reference to this already but uh i like that agraeus is um like in certain ways kind of not a good dude and that makes sense because uh you know it's clear from context that he had to, uh, like, do some stuff that was not, like, equitable to, uh, like, other fawns to get ahead in life the way he did. Mm -hmm. um, like, it's clear that he has had to do bad stuff and, like, exploit people and, like, be very ruthless. Um, so, weirdly, he and, like, the aristocracy in the Berg do have something in common um and like this is made clear but also like it's kind of hard to dislike him so there's there's a lot of interesting conversations that happen there's an interesting conversation with um agraeus and one of imogen's like high society friends where he is um like you know 
he's doing like the rich liberal thing where he's like in a very abstract way like oh yeah i think it's great that we're creating a more equitable society it's so cool that i have this token friend now to show how progressive i am uh, he doesn't say those words exactly but that's what he's meant to be representing and agreus just like totally shuts him down he's like uh i think it's uh terrible and a tragedy actually that uh you know all these fey will work for so much cheaper than uh good sound burgishmen and uh this is a drain on your economy and the guy like doesn't know how to process this because he thought he was so cool uh uh making friends with this marginalized dude you know his token friend and then there's another interesting scene at the um the auction house uh, where uh, Agraeus basically, like, outbids a guy just to, like, publicly humiliate him. And uh, Imogen's, like, really impressed by it. And he's like, yeah, I didn't even, like, want that painting. Like, it's nice, but I, I mainly just wanted to put that guy in his place. It was, it was a good scene. It was good. Yeah, the, the scene at the, like, tea party where the, like, liberal dude is just like unintentionally an asshole like if you're any sort of marginalized identity you've had a co-worker do that mm -hmm. like you've been at a party and someone has done that uh you know i can't speak for for people of color but I, I i'm sure white people are always doing that sort of shit and as a queer person i have what had, do you think about blah, blah, blah policy you know as a queer person i've had many a cis hat be like oh you're gay I was watching RuPaul's Drag Race the other night. I'm like, cool, yeah, I don't watch that because I'm I'm gay. That shows for straight people. Please leave me alone. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I I think I said on the first episode we covered that the the metaphors are uh, very thin, and maybe that maybe that is in keeping with with the the Chris Claremont uh, mute metaphor of just like the best metaphors when it's not a metaphor. Uh, but yeah, it is it is uh. Uh, uncomfortable how much the parallels uh, are just absolutely mirror images mm -hmm. yeah I, I like I understand why people like criticize that sometimes but on the other hand um, like it is so frustrating to like watch people on the internet just be like intolerably dense about something that's really obvious so I don't know. I don't know if things can be too obvious, I yeah, guess. I, I saw that a ton with the uh, but, most recent Matrix movie. Um, how it's yeah. Yeah. unabashedly oh, clear. People were like, yeah, it's just too long. And I, you know, it's, it's, I don't really, I don't get it. It's just, well. Stop making video games political. <laughs> Stop making um, Star Wars political. Yeah, yeah. Um... I really liked the interactions between uh, Jonah and Sophie Longerbane, the 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 two uh, politics children, politics babies. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a ton. I haven't like Jonah's been like fine, but Jonah's been mostly there. But there is a ton of like chemistry and like really in intense, just like moments between the two of them and i think that's mostly brought in by the the actor playing sophie longerbane um mm -hmm. because because she is very intense and very like 
Um, I, I, I don't know. Like that's, that is still the one thread of the show where I'm like, I don't exactly know where this situation lies. I don't know what her whole deal is. I don't know what Jonah's deal. Like it's, it's like, I'm still kind of like interested there. Um, not that I'm not interested in the rest of the show, but certainly there's like, there's a ton of like mystery. Cause it feels like that's like a spark where the rest of the show is just like kind of a smoldering fire a little bit. Um, but the, but the, yeah, the, the chemistry and the intensity between those two characters really just like gripped me in this show where you have to pay attention to everything. It's very nice when the show's like, ah, you, you, you need, you have a physical urge to pay attention to what's going on here. Talk about uh, bringing in a plot uh, late in the game. Sophie didn't right? even turn up until like one episode ago, and now she's out here fucking making moves. <laughs> um, that and the uh, the like satyr cult just all of a yeah. sudden. Yeah, I skimmed right over that one. Yeah, that like I feel like I. I can like maybe piece that together. Um, but those are two things that the show went really hard on. And while I was like into it, like the intensity is very much there for the, the Seder cult. Um, I just felt like the, the Sophie longer vein stuff was more earned and more like gripping um, because it deals with a character that we've met before and not just, you know, some street urchins. Yeah, I'm not bothered by the Seder cult, but I'm not quite, I, I'm with you, Ronnie. I'm not quite as invested in it as I am with, uh, like, everything else that's going on. So it may, may be a little bit extraneous. Not bad, not really detracting from anything, but it's not my favorite part. I will say, oh, this is a negative. I should hold my tongue. I have a negative. We can segue into negatives. I think we've, anybody have This any, show's good. Like, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's really yeah. good. It is, uh, it is very, out. very written. It is extreme. Not, not, I'm not saying it's well-written. I'm not saying it's poorly written. I think it is well-written, but it is very written. There is, there is a yeah. lot happening and a lot of really, like, just chewy dialogue. Um, and I, I, there's, I feel like some of the political stuff, like, with, with and even, like, the, the stuff between the chancellor and the, the wife, Jonah's mom, like some of that's like a little heavy handed sometimes and a little noticeable, but for the most part, it just kind of like you're in this world, you're there. And even if, even if you're not there, they only give you like a minute and a half before they cut back to sad, sad, sad Orlando Bloom. And you're like, all right, this is why I'm here. I'm back. Give it to me. Yeah. It's, uh, it's everything is very tight. Like you're, you're yeah. right. It is very, it's very dense. You do like need to pay attention. Um, but like everything real, everything connects really well, in my opinion, everything really comes back around. Like everything so far is like paying off. The pacing is incredible. Yeah. The, the it's fact amazing that, that this much information and this much plot can happen each episode and like an episode ends and you feel like you've only been watching for five minutes. Okay, we can we can scoot right. into negatives. One more good thing. Orlando Bloom's scars. I feel like I notice a new scar on this boy every episode. <laughs> He's just got so many scars. Okay, negative. Fuck, what was it? I don't remember. I have a um, negative. Maybe it'll help you remember. Go for it. 
well, this is this is something that like not necessarily a negative and 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 it's certainly something that we can discuss. Um but it 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 maybe took me out of it a little bit. Um as we've talked about um there is seems to be a a strong uh metaphor for the fairies being akin to as we've said like hard to kind of pin down whether it's it's a, a trans metaphor an intersex metaphor just a queer metaphor in general um since the beginning i've kind of felt like the the satyr uh like demographic has been a little bit more of a metaphor for like um immigrants uh black people um mm-hmm. it, it you know it's it's been very much um i'll say like quote unquote like the slums have been um you know occupied by like the satyr folks while like the the bro- we basically seen a lot more fairies in like the brothel and stuff like that and ex- extremely problematic stereotypes aside like that yeah. that there is a the, the satyrs are doing a lot of manual labor and yes. also they are like household servants frequently yes. yeah um and in this episode or in, I don't know, maybe between the two of them like you mentioned we get the um the professor uh the the headmaster and the um the doctor revealing their their gay relationship um and also when Sophie Longerbane uh does her whole spiel um when she first comes into the the forum uh to do politics stuff she talks about how like her skin color like was was definitely different and and her people that looked like her faced prejudice for a long time and then she goes into like yeah but but these these fey are way weird right like we accept me but these fey are real weird uh which is like i i again i don't know what her whole plot is so it's it's hard to like judge that it was just a little weird to me that like within the um the span of like an episode whether it was across two episodes or just in the first one um we had like these things that the metaphors are meant to metaphor in our real world mm-hmm. and they were like both the th- i both the things that were they were metaphor were also horrible thing like horrible subjugation things or like racism or prejudice like in itself and like i i part of me is like we invented a world where there's like a clear metaphor that like these fairies are quote unquote queer and they're super duper oppressed. Did we also have to make the actual gay people oppressed? Like, did we, did we also have to like weave that into the fiction? Did we also have to make it so like, yeah, like people with darker skin tones also faced a ton of prejudice on the way to get here. Um, Yeah. I I, I, I was going to bring up, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ron. No, yeah, it's just like I, I I understand how these things existed as plot points, but like, it was it took me out of a little bit where I'm like, ooh, there is like a color like this show is not color blind necessarily. That's a thing, but it's also something that is just kind of like briefly mentioned as like a step on the way to get here to the metaphor for what it is like to be a person of color. Yeah, I was I that was one of my negatives also. Sure. It okay. was just okay. not like not like a bad I don't know if I can say it was a bad choice, but it was a weird choice to introduce like in addition to the racism specific to the show, it was 
a weird choice to then introduce like colorism within human society. Um, so it, yeah, it seems like maybe this was, it seems like their society has progressed differently from our society Uh because, um, like it's clear that like there are black like politicians and there are black aristocrats and stuff like that. So whatever, whatever colorism existed, like maybe like, Hating the Fae was a unifying force for humanity. I don't know. But, like, they've clearly, like, it clearly doesn't matter that much in society at this point. So I agree. It was just a little bit, like, a little bit weird to bring that up and kind of, like, make this more complex than it already was. When it happens, because I'm just going to keep talking about X-Men. When it happens in X, like, in X-Men, you know, real world discrimination along with the metaphor, it it serves the metaphor because like how storm deals with being a mutant and being black is going to be different than how kitty deals with being a mutant and being Jewish and is different than Cyclops deals with being a mutant and needing a like essentially a, a uh, disability aid in his visor is going to be different. How Iceman deals with being mutant and being gay. And so, like, those different things feed into the metaphor, but then there are also moments where, in a comic book series, when it's being handled well and, like, well-written with care, you can then also have these discussions on things like race and disability and Jewishness and queerness, whereas the show just doesn't have the time. Yeah. Like, it's so full. It is so full. And there's only eight episodes. And it just, like, to introduce, I th- think, you know, this idea of, like, real-world racism or real-world homophobia, I think is interesting within this fantasy world. But it's, like, the show doesn't have the time to, like, right. devote to unpacking it and to examining it with care. Like, I thought these gay, this gay headmaster and doctor were interesting and I wanted to hear about their story. I wanted to hear like how do they like function as a queer couple in this fantasy world, you know, that has discrimination. But there was no goddamn time and then they're they're both dead by the the episode they're like freaking introduced and, you know, um the like real world racism that like they don't have time. There's yeah. no time to talk about it. Yeah. And so Agrius, who is a puck and is black, I would be very interested to hear him talk about what it's like to be black and to be a puck. But the like, the, we, we got to keep moving. Like there's conspiracies to unpack. Yeah. So I don't think it was necessarily a bad idea to introduce it. But if you're going to introduce that stuff, you got to devote more well, to doing it. And, I, and, and I wh- think that... And while the X-Men exist in, like, the 616 universe, they ostensibly live in Westchester, New York, in America, where there was a transatlantic slave trade and where, sure, like, yeah. everything we know about queer history and uh, oppression and, like, uh, subjugation of, like, disabled people actually happened. So, like the X-Men writers of the world kind of have to address that if they're going to be playing mm-hmm. in this metaphor space. Um, yeah, for this, sure. This show did not have to introduce it. Like, I, I, I agree that it's not necessarily, like, 
it's not like unrealistic that this could be the case and it's also not like a terrible choice that they made it's just like it's kind of an unforced error of like you kind of yeah. like ham-fisted it when like this is your world you you didn't have to introduce it this didn't have to be mm-hmm. the case but now you've done it and you just don't get to pay it the the homage that it deserves or not even the homage that you don't get to pay it the 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 due that it deserves that's um, a great point ronnie yeah i i fully agree uh i also um i think that it was the right choice to cast a black actor to uh play agreus because like clearly like you pointed out ronnie the I've been calling them fawns. You've been saying satyrs, but we're talking about the same people. The the, the people with horns and the, the tumnuses. The tumnuses. Um, it's while they are not a like one for one metaphor for like black people in uh like colonizing countries. It's you know there's there's similarities. There's parallels there, and it's clear that they were aware of that in in writing it at least in the differences between the fawns and the fairies like if if it was just the fawns on the moon i don't know that i would say like ooh, those that's a metaphor for black people but while you have the fairies that are like a very very distinct separate uh group that is like an obvious metaphor it does bring it more into focus i think right yeah like i said it's not it's not a one for one and it's not meant to be but like it they they did a good job in like casting like like having a diverse cast and like i think having a black actor play this role for this specific character was the right choice um yeah i think it was i i I would be shocked if it was an accident like Mm -hmm. uh it agrius's story would not work with a white actor i don't think he he is a commentary on a lot of stuff yeah, especially with yeah. there being other black characters in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it would be very conspicuous if this character was not black. Um, so, yeah, but like, I agree with you, Ronnie. It was, it was just a lot to, like, introduce, like, colorism into this equation also. Right. Um, my other, like, critique... This is a pretty minor critique, but um, in the midst of everything else that was happening, I do sort of wish that... Um, uh philo and um isling his the character who we after her death found out was his mother if they had interacted just briefly as like a little bit of foreshadowing to this because of course as of episode three we know his secret and we know that he doesn't know who his parents are um but to that point because um that because Isling the singer was uh, killed in like at the beginning of episode two, like there wasn't anything to connect her to him until now in like episode six, I think is when like it all came together, the end of episode five and uh, it's only an eight episode series. So I just wish that um, like there had been like the briefest interaction between them before all of this started to unfold to kind of like, established to to like to just tip us off the tiniest bit that there was some kind of connection between these two characters do we see anything from ansley at all before she's like picking things up off the beach and gets killed do we see her at all in episode not that 
Not that I noticed. It was that that was I think I mentioned like it was hard to tell sometimes in like these dark settings like with the fairies having short, curly, colorful hair like who was who early on. Um mm-hmm. but I yeah, I, I I don't think I remember like it 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 feels a little fridgy of just like like I, she's definitely getting more of a of a backstory now that we're doing this this whole investigation, but mm-hmm. it is very like you know, we killed this character without giving her much due at all, let alone like an interaction that could like lead us to some kind of like foreshadowing. Yeah, I just want a little bit, yeah. just a I... little teeny foreshadow. I think it's dumb that it's his mom. I think that's a dumb plot point. That's like the only plot point so far that I'm like, I don't, I don't need Philo to be directly related to this murder victim and for it to be his mom for me to like be more invested in this case. Now it seems like there's a conspiracy and like all of these murder victims are somehow connected to him. So maybe uh, I don't remember what happened. So maybe that will like pay off. But for right now I'm like, Oh, that's, that's dumb. I, I didn't think it was dumb. I didn't mind it. I just thought it did um, compared to how well everything else in the show like compared to how well everything else unfolded and how clearly everything tied back to like prior references um i think that was just like maybe the 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 weakest unfolding of a plot point cuz like you said she just kind of came out of nowhere and was killed instantly and then we didn't figure out why she was significant until like 3 episodes later uh i remembered my other complaint I don't like that the big scary monster is a monster. Um, I think it weakens the current metaphors at play if it's like a supernatural beastie that is killing these people. Um, Because the supernatural races are the people who are like being discriminated against. So the fact that the like the murderer is a some sort of beastie kind of like i think muddies the water quite a bit and then two i something that lovecraft country did really well is like the scariest moments the most horrific elements of horror in that show are not from the scary creatures it's from the very mundane normal stuff it's from the interactions with the police or the townsfolk and things like that. And I think this show could also be doing something like that. Where I think the scarier elements are the racists and the cops and stuff. And I don't need there to be like an eldritch horror that's actually doing the killings when the more horrific elements are these like systems of oppression that are in place. Uh, do bear in mind, we've established that uh, somebody is controlling this thing. It's not acting of its own accord. Sure. But like, it's still like, it's still going to be like a big supernatural CGI monster. Yeah. Which I don't know. I don't need, I think, I think it'd be scarier if it was just a, you know, uh, a dude or a guy or a system. 
which we might uh, we might see. I happen to know what's gonna. I happen to know what's gonna happen, so I'm not gonna say anything. Um, I do agree with you that the um, the with the the uh, Lovecraft Country comparison that like I think the show has done a bit of a disservice to itself somewhat in that like they have treated their law enforcement while they are horrendous terrifying racists they've kind of made them buffoons um who like the only person who's able to figure anything out is orlando bloom um and everyone else is kind of like basically doing an andy impression of andy doing (laughs) the essence of this show of just like well 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 i'm racist against the fairies and also i'm uh, not a very good cop um though i think it could be like the heel turn of that of like the cops becoming all of a sudden very scary is easily done and would be like a very dramatic and aggressive like turn that this show very well could make even from this um you know whether it was a an intentioned or you know, unintentioned start for the cops even even the politicians like all oh, these these like corrupt politicians are very just kind of like harumph guess I gotta go and yell at a bunch of other guys in robes today. Like, there's, there is nothing truly uh, frightening about these people other than just their sensibilities. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you, Ronnie. Um, But I definitely think that, like, yeah. Again, Evan knows something that, that uh, I don't know, and maybe Andy doesn't know either, uh, and and maybe that could. I don't know. I, I watched this. Sh- oh. I watched the show before. I don't remember what the fuck. I- oh, okay. <laughs> that feels very Andy. <laughs> um, but all in all, still good show. Good show. Good show. Good show. Good. Good show. Hope it gets uh, renewed for a second season. Yeah, sure. We would have to talk about it, and then Evan would have it's broken the years. rules. Yeah, Andy breaks the rules all the time. I can break the rules technically once. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna. We're gonna watch selfie again. That's how I'm gonna break the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Anything for you, Ronnie? Thank you. We can, we can do a uh, watch party of selfie mm-hmm. and uh, live stream it. I've thought about it. Certainly have. The entire thing. All night. We're going to watch Selfie all night. Eight hour Selfie marathon. Don't you tease me. Don't you tease me. It'll be a stop. One of those things where we stop and see like, and this my fair lady reference. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I can deal with the King, well, the Kingsman comparisons. <laughs> that'll be that'll be too much. It'll take 14 hours because you'll keep exactly. pausing it and we'll be like, Ronnie. Yeah. The Nuggets kid. It's the Nuggets kid. Um, we are a part of where they may radio network, and it's where they may may a month where we celebrate you, the listener and the supporter, and uh, upset like you know tangentially also our creators, uh, and we give you extra stuff all month long. So we're gonna be pumping. A bunch of stuff out on the Patreon. Um, keep uh-uh. keep an eye there. Uh, that Patreon is at WTM Radio or er, Patreon.com slash WTM Radio. 
uh, up there, it's 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 really the Andy show right now. Uh, Andy's dropping some good good lore uh, from uh, from their show. Their show that they are a uh, award winning voice actor and podcaster from uh, Good Neighbors, winner of an award, an award winning oh. uh, uh, Andy for their portrayal of June Traherne in Good Neighbors. Uh, Congratulations, by the way. I don't know who we're talking Thank about you. on the podcast. Yeah. Boy, um, I'm an award-winning voice actor, see? <laughs> uh, if we want to keep it the Andy show, uh, do I want to embarrass myself? Yeah, yeah. if you want to post that Hardy's picture uh, on <laughs> the Patreon. Patreon. Sure. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's Love a terrible that. picture. It's a bad picture. Give us money, and then you can laugh at me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you can uh, understand what it is like to uh, go to a Christian college and, and wake up at 3 a.m. and then have Stay to Stay awake. Your... Stay awake. Stay awake until 3 a.m. Woof. woof a doofa. Um, that, like I said, that is at uh, patreon.com slash WTM radio. You can get to all of this uh, from where they may.com, access our merch, access our other shows in the network. Shows like we Force Friends Rewatch. Shows. Like, what's that? We got merch? Yeah, we got merch. We got I mean, this merch. This show doesn't have merch. But we should get some merch. We should get some merch. Um, We've been kicking it around. We just got to do it. We got to pull the trigger. Um. And yeah, it's where they may may hop on the Patreon. Even if you just subscribe for a month and get all the goodies we're giving you, you have access to everything. Usually uh, newsletters are reserved for uh, $10 a month subscribers and the uh, videos are, are reserved for $5 a month subscribers. Uh, but during where they may may, you get it all, baby. You get everything. Uh, so hop in, give us a quick sub. Even if you got to duck out, we understand. Uh, right yeah, now cool. is when we, we we want that patronage, and then uh, you know maybe you stick around, maybe maybe you learn you can't live without that good goo where they may radio subscription. Yeah, uh, you can give us two dollars and leave. It's okay. We understand. We yeah. won't be mad. We get it. We just like to see those numbers go up. Not even the dollar numbers, just the subscriber numbers. Line go up. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, it's charts and graphs, baby. That's all it is, uh, and I love it. And it's where they may check out uh, Force Friends Rewatch. Check out uh, Fan Fiction is Good, actually. Check out Good Neighbors. Good Neighbors in another award-winning podcast on the Where They May Radio Network. Um, you find all that at wheretheymay.com. Um, and uh, wish Andy and Evan good tidings on their upcoming nuptials. Yeah! We get married! We won't shut We're up about it. it, so obviously you know already, but... <laughs> Happy wedding month. Woo! Yeah. And he had it. Oh, gosh. I'm just seeing this doll. <laughs> on the, oh, on this I missed doll. that. You me, Dad. <laughs> oh, that's terrifying. That's quite frightening. <laughs> uh, um, uh, Andy, how do, we end, how do we end the podcast? Uh, fuck the Supreme Court. Fuck them. Oh, uh, abortion is health care. No one's health care should be determined by voters at any level or legislators at any level. This is an individual decision-making process. 
Um, bodily autonomy is the first right that all other rights are derived from. What the fuck? Yeah, so there's that about that. Sorry yeah. to end it with a bummer. No. But fuck them. Fuck no. those. Fuck them. Yeah. Abolish them. It's undemocratic. Start with the Supreme Court, get rid of them, then get rid of the Senate. And uh, then just add 4,000. I'm, I'm not saying that this would fix our current exact situation, um, but uh, the the Constitution is obsolete and should be rewritten. This is not a spicy take. This is an extremely vanilla take. Countries do this all the time. Sorry, we lost you, Ronnie, and I went on a rant about the Constitution. It's okay. It's all in there. It's already... It's, the listeners, are already, they've heard it. They know. I can't wait to hear it in editing. Where they may, radio.